welcome to So Much More. I'm Jody Nisnik. This is a podcast designed to help you create space for God. Jesus, in some of his last words found in John 16, 12 stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Sarah Chapel with me as we have a conversation around Genesis chapter 41 and what the Lord led her to and is teaching her. Sarah is a speaker and she has just released her first book, Journey to Joy. So welcome, Sarah. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and to be a part of this. Well, I gave a brief introduction uh, of who you are, but why don't you take a minute to tell us a little bit more about who you are? Sure. Um, like you said, my name is Sarah and I am uh, married to my husband, Paul. We've been married for almost seven years and uh, we are a, a blended family. And so I am a stepmama to three incredible teenagers who are 15, 17, and 19, uh, which is crazy. But we met at our church and, um, gosh, just love serving there. And it's been a, a busy season with the, the book launch and all good things. And so enjoying that, enjoying getting to talk about joy a lot. And then also starting to kind of look and dream with God about what's, what's coming up next in, in this new season. So well, I love that. We are really excited that you're here with us and I'm excited to hear your wisdom on uh, where the Lord kind of led you in this passage. But before we get to that, I want to just do a quick bringing us up to speed of where we are and reading the passage. So this passage picks up two years after Joseph interpreted the dreams of the chief baker and the cupbearer who both served the king. We don't really know how long he's been in prison at this point. We do know that later in chapter 41, we learn that he is 30 years old. We do also know that he was sold into slavery when he was 17. So no matter how long he's actually been in prison, we do know it's been a long 13 years for him. All right. Well, let me read this passage to us and then we'll dive in. So these are some selected verses from Genesis 41. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream in the morning. His mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dream, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today, I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, 
I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh told Joseph his dream and Joseph interpreted it. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Okay, so we did this passage is electio, asking the Lord to draw our attention to a particular word or phrase. And so Sarah, when you sat with the Lord and did this, what, what did the Lord draw your attention to? So gosh, there's, there's so much good stuff here. Um, I would say the biggest thing that, that, that stood out that was jumping off the page to me was at the very end where Joseph's response that he utters the words, I cannot, mm. that there was like, Oh, you know, you, I hear you can do this. Like, and instead of Joseph, like jumping at the opportunity, like, okay, here's my chance. I'm going to get out of prison. This is going to be amazing. Like whatever he wants me to do, I will do like, I'm your man, whatever you need. But instead that he stops and he's like, actually, I can't do that, but God, but God can. And just the risk that he was willing to take to to trust God that after all this time, after all the things that he had gone through, that Joseph was at peace. He trusted in who God was and didn't feel like he needed to take control of that moment. Like um, that was just, that was the most amazing thing to me. I'm just his peace and his trust in the Lord in that moment to not just say like, I got this Lord, like, this is my ticket out of here. Like I'm going to do whatever this man wants me to do just that his first words would be, actually, I cannot do that. Mm. That floors me. Yeah. I love, I love that you brought that out of this passage because I think when I reflect and we'll get to this, because I'm sure that the Lord had some things to say to you personally about that. But I think of the opportunities where we have uh, something offered to us or something to grab at or something to run after and mm-hmm. we can start expending a lot of our own energy, trying to make things happen. And like you said, Joseph, I would imagine was somewhat desperate to mm-hmm. finally be released from prison. And here he's standing before the most powerful man in the land, mm-hmm. the guy that got, got can snap his fingers and make a, a decision mm-hmm. for Joseph, the rest of Joseph's life. And he stands before this guy and he's like, Hey, I hear you can do this. And I, I just think of myself, Oh yeah, I would be peacocking all over the place. I'd be like, yes, I can. Oh yeah. I can do that for you. Yep. And he doesn't. And so, okay. So let's go a little deeper. Why do you think the Lord was drawing you to that phrase? And, and how does that apply to your life today? Um, well, Jody, we don't know each other super well. Um, and your listeners don't either. So, but just to give you a heads up, I'm a crier. So <laughs> I express all of anytime the spirit stirs, anytime there's anything, it comes out my eyeballs. And so as you're asking me that, that's kind of what's happening now. So just to prepare everyone in case they can hear that or that comes through. Because 
I, um, I am very much, I'm a planner, you know, I'm a person of action. I, I love planning, but only to get to the part of doing, you know, to do well. And I enjoy doing, and, um, I'm not confessing to be a control freak or the, you know, there's no one here who's going to out me with that. Um, but I do with that balance of just that, that moment with Joseph of like, okay, here's an opportunity. Am I gonna, am I going to do everything that I can to make it happen? You know, meddle a little bit, or, um, am I going to wait and am I going to seek the Lord in this? And am I going to let him bring opportunities? Am I going to trust him to, to guide my path? Um, so it's, I've been in that spot several times in my life with the Lord. I was single till I was 36. And so that's a long, not the longest, but it was a long season of, of singleness. And that was a big um, part of that journey was, am I willing to wait for God's best? Because I knew lots of singles who at, at one point in their journey just decided, I want to be married. That's, that's it. Like I just I've taken this situation into my own hands. I want to get married and, and they did it. Like I, I saw it happen. And I can remember being in that space with God of like, God, I don't want to take this out of your hands. Like I want to wait for your best. Even if your best means it's me and you until the day I'm in heaven. Like if that's your best, then that's what I want. And so I think about that here of that same thing is true for every decision, you know, whatever you have next, whatever opportunity that I don't have to force it. I don't have to meddle. I can trust in him and his timing. And he's the best. He can plan circles around me. I'm a great planner, I think, but I don't actually know the future. And so (laughs) my best plan is at the end of the day, really just, in pencil on a scrap piece of paper. Um, and his plan is really what I want at the beginning of each day and each season. And so for me, it was just that reminder of, man, he's, he's so good at what he does and he's so good at knowing what I need and what I need today. And there's a peace and a resting in him in that of, I don't have to I don't have to be hurried and harried and in a rush and frantic thinking it all depends on me. Cause it just, it just doesn't. Yeah. Um, I thank you for sharing a piece of your story with us. I think so many of us resonate with waiting on God mm-hmm. and I, I, we see this in this passage with Joseph as well, waiting he's been waiting for 13 years for something different to happen. I mean, he had this harrowing experience as a 17 year old of being sold into slavery by his family, rejected by the people that were supposed to care for him. Mm -hmm. And, and he just is thrust into this. I can only imagine. I mean, we get little snippets of details. Um, and he's been waiting on God. What are you going to do about this? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, there are lots of things that we have to wait for. And I, I can guarantee us all this. God's timing is never 
our timing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Maybe not never. Maybe that's an overstatement, <laughs> but usually it's not our timing. Usually we either want things way faster or sometimes slower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we're mm-hmm. a little caught off guard sometimes when big changes come into our lives. Um, so you shared the waiting journey of waiting for your husband, waiting for the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other things that you even currently are, are having to do that kind of open-handed posture and saying to God, okay, I can't do it, but you can, I'm going to wait for your plan. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, at the ripe old age of 25, 26 is when I really felt that call to ministry that, okay, in some form or fashion, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And, um, I love God's word and I love just the opportunity to help people see something new, have some personal revelation, just fall in love with scripture. And so there's so many different things that I would love to do to help people in that. And some of that, a lot of that is things I can just decide to do on my own and do those things. But then there's a lot of it that involves other people and their decisions to have me do things or it all, it's not just, it's not just up to me. And it, I mean, I would say ironically, but it's not ironic that Joseph's life me was the same way of he was dependent on the, you know, the cupbearer and Pharaoh, you know, all these other people were part of his story and their timing and their decisions. And, and even seeing how tough, because we tend to think it's also linear that, okay, I'm waiting. And then one day this is going to happen. And then that's going to be the segue to this next season. And you look at Joseph like, okay. And then he ends up in prison and it's like, wait, I thought, I thought we were already moving in this direction. And then he interprets the dreams and the guys are like, oh yeah, we've got you. Like, well, you know, when the, the first, when he first interprets their dreams and he's like, oh, we're going to tell, you know, basically there are these times where he thinks something is about to happen. It definitely looks like it would make sense to think, okay, I'm about to be out of here. But then, you know, the beginning of our passage where it says two full years, and I love, I love when scripture throws in words like full, like two full years, like not just two years, right. like two full years. Like it was, it didn't go by quickly. No, it was every day. <laughs> yeah. And so there are always all of these other factors and it's not just okay, I've been waiting and now there's some movement or now it looks like God's doing something. And so, oh, snap my fingers. And I wake up the next day and my life's totally different. I've stepped into the dream. I'm living it, walking it, that it just doesn't happen like that. And so there's just this constant, um, coming back to his feet and back to his side and recognizing that that's really the point of it. And that's really the goal. The fact that Joseph was who he was in that prison is ultimately the thing that led to his release. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about what he said, like the cupbearer wasn't like, Oh, there's this guy down there who, this is what he believes. And this is what he said. No, it was his actions. It was, this is what he did. Mm-hmm. And so that reminder that it's about who I am every day. Um, and going to God and that's the goal. It's the destination. It's not right 
the, or it's the journey, not the destination. And so for me, it's just remembering that, that I'm not waiting to like wake up one day and I'm, I've arrived right that that's that's called heaven that's called <laughs> that's something different and so just embracing each and every day and each and every season in the meantime and and being like joseph just being who i am whether i'm in the palace or in the prison or in the pit oh, that was holy because that was alliteration three p's that was <laughs> that was from jesus i would love to camp out just for a second on what you said a few minutes ago about people that have power, um, in a situation. So the cupbearer had power. Um, and you know, Joseph distinctly said, Hey, things are going to go well with you. And when they do, would you remember me? And he just goes off and starts living his life and doesn't take a moment to do that. And so I think there's two things to think about. There is one is where do we actually hold that power for other people and how can we be generous and, and remembering. And then the second thing is when we're waiting on other people, because people do have power to either invite or, um, open doors, uh, all kinds of things. Um, when we're waiting on that, are we trusting because God had the cupbearer recall Joseph at the exact right moment. And if the cupbearer had recalled earlier, Joseph may have gotten out of prison, but you know what? He could have been thrown back to serving Potiphar or uh, just kind of lost in the shuffle and not actually called before the Pharaoh to do this important work that then thrust him into this position of power that then led to him saving the entire nation of Israel. So, I mean, it's just, I, I think it's, it's, so for us as God's servants, as people who are earnestly seeking to um, wait on the Lord and serve him, do we trust in the providential timing of God? And that's hard. It's really, yep. really hard sometimes. Oh yeah. It's hard, but I think something in the way that you just said all of that almost made me feel like the key to it, to doing it and to doing it well, I think is in the first part of what you said about recognizing where we have that power and that influence with other people, mm -hmm. because a, I mean, that's part of just what we're called to as believers of serving others, of thinking of others as more than ourselves. And, and just kind of that whole point of, of being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so where do I have influence and where can I help someone else? Because maybe at the end of the day, it's not about me. And then at the same time, if what God says is true, that we, we sow seeds and we'll reap a harvest, maybe all of that is sowing. If I'm sowing into the life of other people, then am I, as part of that harvest that I'm going to reap being others doing the same for me. But I think it starts with, with us being willing to recognize there's joy in that. And I don't know if it's, if something happens when you, after you turn 40, or if we can kind of tap into that earlier, but you just really do become aware of those, the generations behind you and of, of recognizing the joy that comes from 
from helping someone else, from, from speaking into their life, from pouring into, from opening doors or just whatever that looks like of pausing and saying, okay, who can I give a hand up to, or who mm-hmm. can I just be speaking into or praying for, especially those that are in kind of your same lane of what have I learned that could be helpful to someone else? Because that's so important. Just especially for believers mm-hmm. that we're, we're turning around and looking behind us and, and saying, okay, how can it, maybe my time now is to help those who are coming along. And as I've transitioned into that, the last few years of recognizing, man, there's, there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of um, just fulfillment in that. And, and I think then that's recognizing, okay, God is going to call on someone else to do the same for me. And so it's trusting, it's trusting in that. And it's when it looks like someone else is in control and someone else is, you know, taking an opportunity or whatever, just knowing that God is the redeemer of all things, the redeemer of time, redeemer of opportunities. And so we can't miss out on something that he has for us. That's That's just not possible. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, I'm curious, is there anything else as you were kind of contemplating this passage, um, anything that surprised you or, you know, even just about doing the experience of Electio? Um, well, I loved, I mean, I just, I think it was like, just like an onion. I think every time you listen, you're just peeling it back a little bit, a little bit deeper, a little bit, a little bit deeper. And, um, and that was just that whole idea of just how much trust and, and faith Joseph had to not give in to his feelings. Because like the very first thing that I wrote down was that when people forget us, it can be easy to feel like that God has forgotten us as well. And so a lot of times we, rec- we equate how people treat us and how people make us feel to that's, that's God. That, he's doing the same thing or we, we put those feelings and those attributes onto him and of just being able to um, discern, you know, through those emotions, through that feeling that God will never leave. Yes. His people are imperfect. (laughs) Why he decided to do this whole thing through us. I will never know. Um, But he is just, he's perfection and his word is his, is his word. And he says he will never leave us or forsake us. And knowing that that had to be the, the anchor that God shows up through nothing. I mean, nothing else could have done it because how do you go through that, um, that roller coaster of, of circumstances without becoming somebody much darker on the other side. And so just knowing that whatever happens with people that doesn't change God's character and that we can, we can count on that. We can count on him. That's good. I love that. So tell me a little bit about your book journey to joy. It is highly autobiographical. So tell me a little bit about what led you to write your book. So it was, um, it was a bit of a back and forth with the Lord of just, I, I've always enjoyed speaking and writing you know, short devotionals or an article or a blog post. I never, I was very explicit with the Lord that I had zero interest in writing a book. 
like I, I think I had made myself perfectly clear that that was not on the to-do list, bucket list, nowhere, it's not on any list. And as I started to go through this process of rediscovering joy in my life, because it was something I became aware of that was missing. And through these conversations with the Lord, recognizing I had experienced joy in, in my life before, but you know, life had happened, things had happened and joy was just missing. And there was an invitation from God. Hey, I, if you'll let me, we'll go on a, a path. We'll go on a journey to, to find that joy again and live in that place. And so I was in the process of doing that when the stirring kind of started happening about kind of writing that. And my husband was a huge advocate from day one of like, I just feel like you're supposed to write. And I was like, that's great. Think, write what? Like, what do you want me to write? And this, the only thing I was hearing in the beginning was just write your story. And so that's when I kind of started writing, okay, what am I learning? And I was learning stuff about healing and freedom and identity and purpose. Those were all the, the areas that he was teaching me things, but it was all very vague. It didn't, it didn't flow. There wasn't a table of contents. There wasn't an outline. And so for me, it was a frustrating couple of years of like, okay, God, I'm, you want me to write, I'm writing. I don't know what I'm writing. I don't know what this is, but I'm writing it. And about after two years or so of that, he finally gave me a picture of, mm. of the outline. So it's based on Isaiah 61, where he speaks to the nation of Israel about healing, freedom, identity, and purpose. And at the very end of that um, section of verses, he says, everlasting joy will be yours. Mm. And so it was essentially this picture of when we walk through those processes with the Lord and find healing and freedom and our identity and our purpose in him, that's a life of joy. That's this life of just lightness and freedom. Mm. And so once I got to that point, then I got excited. Then I think I was like fully on board <laughs> um, of like, okay, God, now, now you've given me a little bit of direction and I'll, you know, have a, have a table of contents. And then the last, I mean, it was a five-year process from idea to finishing it. Um, my dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease really at the beginning of that journey. And so both of those journeys were kind of running simultaneously and ended up really being a part of the joy journey was this journey with my father. And so it was just, mm. it was so interesting how God chose for those things to happen at the same time, which we would never write that story. We would never, we would never, <laughs> We would never decide that was going to be how it would happen, but God in all of his goodness, that's what he did. And, and so it began to become clear to me that as I had conversations with women specifically about joy, who felt like they had also experienced it in the past, but didn't have it or had never had it. And once I could see that it would be helpful, even just for one person, then I was really all in. And mm -hmm. so being able to invite the reader into their own journey to have their own experience with God, to find joy that I'm, I'm here for that. That's mm -hmm. I tell my story, but just hoping and knowing that God will take that and do something personal in the life of the reader and they have their own journey. And so that really, when that became the point of it, I was like, okay, I can write that book. Mm, that's good. Well, where, where can people find you? Where can they find the book? So um, my website is just sarahchapel.com and it's uh, S-A-R-A 
no H. And then chapel is, we learned to say it's like apple with a C-H. So it's just C-H-A-P-P-L-E. Um, and it was just chapel. People try to make it fancy, like say Chappelle. And I'm like, we're not fancy. I'm from Carrollton and uh, my husband's from Michigan, small town, Michigan. So we're not fancy. It's not Chappelle, just chapel. Um, but sarahchapel.com and then uh, Instagram and Facebook, Hey Sarah Chapel. There's links everywhere. It's a great thing, technology these days. So you can find me in any of those places and uh, the book. And there's a journal that goes with it. Um, they're also available on Amazon. Yay. All right. Well, thank you for sharing all of that with us. Well, I want to. I want to invite you all to join me next week. We're going to explore Genesis 42, which is where Joseph's brothers in desperation and in fear of starvation, make their way to Egypt and they stand before Joseph who they don't recognize. Mm. And, uh, he does recognize them. They ask for food, very reminiscent. They bow down before him, very reminiscent of the original Mm. dream that started this whole journey. Uh, so also as a reminder, this series does line up with the Bible study trust is a study of Joseph for persevering through life's challenges. Um, there's a link for that in the show notes. I will link to Sarah's stuff in the show notes as well. Uh, you can absolutely listen to the podcast without the study, but if you want to go deeper into his life, I do recommend that you uh, do the study as well. Well, thanks for joining me on So Much More, where Jesus has so much more to say to us, and we are creating space to listen. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.